Thank you for joining us today. Today is Wednesday, June 29th. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined again today by Pastor Neil Radical. Uh, this morning we're going to begin with a brief devotional thought based upon 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 12. Now, in order to set the stage kind of for this reading before we, before we go through it, uh, we need to talk about what happened in the chapter before this. Uh, so in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, the prophet Elijah, one of God's prophets uh, that, that he used, uh, during the time of the divided kingdom, uh, a, a very powerful prophet, obviously one who uh, we know quite a bit more about and even appeared to Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. Elijah uh, had a confrontation with 450 prophets of Baal. So with one prophet of the true God, and there was 450 prophets of the false god Baal, and they decided to have a contest between themselves. So the contest was, we're both going to build an altar, uh, we're going to call upon our respective gods to send fire down from heaven, uh, to consume the altar, and whichever God does that is shows and proves themselves to be the true God. So Elijah allows the 450 prophets of Baal to go first, and they cry out uh, all morning uh, to their God. They uh, even to the point of uh, abusing and cutting themselves. They plead out to to Baal, asking that he would send fire down. Nothing happens, and then it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah even to make it. More difficult, he dumps a bunch of water on his altar and then got, prays for fire. And God sends a, a, a huge uh, fi- amount of fire to consume the entire uh, altar, to consume all the water that was there around the, the altar. Uh, so God proved himself through Elijah and through the miracle that God performed, that he was indeed the true God. So the hearts of the people all turned to Elijah. Elijah said, let's, let's kill all these prophets of Baal. They took him down to the brook Kidron and killed all the prophets of Baal. All 450 of them. Uh, then Elijah and Ahab, so Ahab was the, the wicked king, uh, went back to Jerusalem, to the capital, and uh, Elijah must have been thinking to himself, this is the turning point. This huge event happened. All these false prophets were, were killed. Uh, God proved himself. Now we're going to have victory. Uh, God's going to bless our work here. And then uh, we read at the very beginning of this chapter that Jezebel, who was Ahab's uh, wife, uh, decided that she was going to do to Elijah what uh, Elijah did to all those false prophets, namely put him to death. And so she sent the the guards and this, the army of Israel against uh, Elijah. And so Elijah runs into the wilderness uh, uh, in chapter 19, which is where we pick up. He goes all the way down to Mount Sinai. And you can just imagine the, the low mental, emotional state that he was in. He just, had just come off this huge victory and now uh, and didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. And I think this is a good lesson for us as we have, at times, we have, seem to have success in our work. And at other times, we seem to be lacking that success in our work. And it's a reminder of, uh, in this section now that we're going to read, it's a reminder about uh, uh, how to keep that perspective kind of of, of the uh, where God truly is in the work that we do. And so with all that background, uh, I'll read 1 Kings 19 verses 9 through 12. And there he, that's Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, a still, small voice. You know, what I, what I really appreciate about this section is there's so many, so many outward ways to measure success. There's so many outward forces that we can look at and say, well, here's how many people are sitting in the pews. Here's how many people we have addresses to that we mail out every month. Uh, here's the number of email addresses on our email group. You know, those are, here's how many views we got on YouTube for our video for watching our service last week. There's so many outward physical metrics that you can measure, but is that the best way to measure spiritual growth? And I think what the clear answer from our section here is, is no. Uh, Elijah had this massive victory. He thought he'd finally won the hearts of the people. Uh, Jezebel turns around and drives him out of Israel and, and Elijah goes back to the place where he thinks God is. And he goes back to Mount Sinai because that's where all the events of, of uh, Exodus took place where Moses went up there and spoke to God. And there Elijah's sitting and he's, he's mourning. He's mourning his, uh, his supposed outward loss. And he's thinking to, myself, thinking to himself, I alone am left. They're seeking to take my life. And God gives him this encouragement. He gives him these signs. So he, first he sends a great strong wind, and then after the wind, an earthquake, and after the earthquake, a great fire. But the Lord wasn't in any of those things. He's not in the outward things, the physical things that we see in this world. Rather, God is in the still, small voice. And that's that's an encouragement for us today as well. You know, uh, Moses went back, not Moses, Elijah went back to Mount Sinai where Moses had received the law, probably because he was hoping to receive the word of God as well. But And, and the law is a good thing, and the law was given to us by God. But ultimately, the law can do no good for us, not because of its failings, but because of our failings to keep the law. What we need, rather, is the still, small voice of the love of God. We need to be reminded about how he loves us and what he's done for us and how he's redeemed us through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And how after we fail again and again uh, in this world, in our many different tasks that we have as Christian husbands and wives and children and uh, parents and employers and employees, all the different roles that we have in life, the many failures we have, we need to come back to and be reminded of that still small voice. That voice says, that says, I sent my son Jesus to take away your sins, to redeem you, you blood-bought soul of mine. You are now my child. And that still small voice is what spoke to Elijah. Eventually God would tell him that there were still 7,000 people uh, there in Israel who had not bowed the knee to Baal and the false gods, that there were others. And that's, the, that's to be the encouragement for us as well, is that uh, even in the world that seems to be getting worse and worse and we can wonder, God, are we alone in the world? Is there anyone else who uh, trusts in you as a true God? Uh, God encourages and reminds us that, yes, he will preserve a remnant and that, yes, through the preaching of the word, not through outward action, not through a fireball from heaven, not through earthquakes or great strong winds is he going to, is he going to work his purpose for us, but he'll do so through the still, small voice, through the word of God, that works in hearts and minds through the Holy Spirit, uh, and that brings people to him. Uh, so just a little bit of an encouragement, I think, uh, as we face the ups and downs in life, that again, it's the Lord and his still small voice that speaks to us today. Any thoughts today on that, Pastor? Yeah, verse 10, I really like that you have pointed out that there's a lot of zeal that Elijah had, but he lost that zeal. So he was looking for it from the Lord. And so, again, you might find the same kind of questioning that Jesus asked Adam and Eve in the garden very what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, it's hard to understand his tone with that, but really, you're not done yet. You can't give up. You know, Jesus has the same kind of questions with his disciples as well. And really, we see our God's loving questions for us. He reminds us of our purpose. When we give up on our, our goals of life, when we give up on the kind of relationships we have with our spouse or children or friends or neighbors or enemies, 
What is ultimately our purpose? What are we doing here? And I like that rekindling of Elijah's zeal that is definitely something we need the Holy Spirit to do for us as well to remind us who's in control and who's in charge and who's going to fire us up again when we need to be reinvigorated with the gospel, with what Christ did. Never, he never lost his sense of purpose, never was questioning why he was there. He always knew right away and the whole time that was for you and for me. And so I really appreciate this section for a lot of levels. I love all the things you brought out. I really appreciate kind of the reinvigoration that the Lord gave to Elijah through his word, again, through that still small voice. Yeah, the word is key. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for working a miracle in us greater than any outward physical miracle. You created faith in our hearts through the gospel, through that still small voice that spoke to us through the word uh, and continues to speak to us whenever we turn to your word and our grow and the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Continue to bless us as we use your word, as we use your sacraments, and uh, give us strength according to your will. Bless us this day in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, a couple of announcements I want to highlight for you this evening. Our online midweek Bible class continues. We're picking up in Mark chapter 14, verse 43. I will be the, your guest uh, leader for this evening, so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, also want to encourage you to promote our Vacation Bible School, one of the most important events of the year here at Emmanuel. Uh, VBS week is July 18th through the 22nd. There's still quite a number of yard signs available in the entryway. There are door hangers that you can bring and distribute in your neighborhood. And then there's even uh, the opportunity to participate in a couple parades next week. Uh, July 4th, we'll be up in St. Peter uh, uh, distributing information about VBS and handing out candy. And then also July 9th for the North Mankato Fun Days. You can, if you need more information on that, you can check out the bulletin uh, for more information on that. Uh, for our prayer list this week, we continue to keep Carrie Dale in our prayers uh, with the aggressive lung and brain cancer, uh, the terminal diagnosis she's dealing with, so we keep keep her in our prayers. We pray for the family of Dylan Miller. Dylan passed away last Friday. Uh, the funeral service is planned for this coming Thursday tomorrow, uh, so please keep the family of Dylan in your prayers. And we also keep Sharon Rubel in our prayers as she's uh, recovering from uh, a time stay in the hospital up at Oaklawn uh, as she's rehabilitating there. Uh, that brings us to our convention recap. So our series we'll be doing the next uh, next few weeks here is we're going to take a look at a committee by committee. So there's seven committees uh, that are assigned work at uh, CLC convention. And because we have so many delegates, we've been blessed to have uh, individuals in every single one of the committees. God willing, we'll have them coming, uh, coming on the podcast here to talk about kind of what they discussed as a committee, uh, what decisions were made, what resolutions the, bo the convention body made uh, regarding these different topics. Um, so we're going to probably the next three weeks do two committees each week. But this week we just wanted to start with uh, probably one of the most, one of the committees that's most, the information is most interested about, and that would be committee four, which is a committee on doctrine. Uh, our own Pastor Neil Radical was the vice chairman of the Committee on Doctrine. Uh, so, Pastor, do you want to kind of walk us through what were kind of some of the main uh, uh, topics as you went into convention and what decisions came out of convention regarding these different items? Sure. For those of you who were able to listen to pre leading up to the convention with the prospectus, there was basically three or four main points there. The first one we talked about was document classifications. And so what the hope is, is that the Board of Doctrine and those who are going to be helping them will be, from here on out, trying to get our official documents and convention proceedings and prospectuses and all those things on our website so anyone at any time could go and look back at some of those official documents. 
which is very helpful, a lot of different decision making and questioning of different things and how it was written and those in the past as well. So that'll be an ongoing effort, but a, a huge initial effort from the get-go. Uh, so I have, I have a question about what the discussion was with that uh, the document classification. So um, obviously we have our, our confessions that we believe in, the Augsburg Confession, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, those that's like a top level uh, document, obviously. So are there different levels of classification? Have they talked about like a level one document or a level two document or, or, or uh, what's kind of the, the impetus behind that? Yes, they did talk about that. I don't think that's been quite worked out yet, what the different levels are. You know, the ones that you just mentioned are level one in that sense. But, and the reason for that is that the question comes up with the, what is unalterable versus alterable. So some of those things like what you just mentioned, we might update some wording, but we're not going to alter any of the doctrinal, we're not going to alternate any of the theology behind it in mm -hmm. that sense. It's, it's clear enough. And as far as the way in which we express it, we might update that. But what's unalterable, what's not, that's something we talked about the Minnesota Delegate Conference too. As far as different tiers below that goes, there's different things that have been stated at conventions, you know, there's things that have been adopted that would probably be more like tier two that could be alterable as far as the content goes or the updating the, the language of it in that sense. And then like a tier three would be more of like the, just the proceedings themselves. They're not necessarily all official convention synod resolutions, but they're things that we would say we could point to as here's an expression of what we say or believe. A lot of our said websites that might state what we believe would probably be on that tier three that obviously can be changed at any time, but are just trying to express in the best way. We, our own website would be a way of expressing that. It's the best way we can express these different doctrines without having to read through a huge book of them yeah, or something. Book like of Concord or something. Right. So and I think that's really helpful because like, you know, if we come out with a journal of theology article and someone, someone writes that and it's the question is, well, is that a official CLC statement on that doctrine or, or like the spokesman, right? Or the daily rest, you know, we're constantly getting corrections for the daily rest, you know, if there's problems in the editing stage of that and it gets published, well, just because it's published in the daily rest doesn't make it an official doctrinal statement of right. the CLC. And so I think that's why this is going to be very helpful right. for us as we continue our intersynodical work is, you know, what can we point to as this is something that was adopted by the body uh, and that we fully and completely subscribe to. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Because right now there's just kind of all these things floating out and there the and what's a, right. what's an official document and what's not and what are we fully subscribed to and what just kind of got passed in convention. Uh, so I think that's I think this will be good. I yeah. think Yeah, I agree. I think the spokesman in journal theology, just by point of clarification, probably would even make class two, you know, again, I don't know what they're going to call it for <laughs> sure. They're still trying to figure that out. But it was approved to keep going forward. This, so I think we'll see more organization okay. coming forward. But I would think like the journal theology and spokesmen are, are definitely official CLC writings. So that's why it seems to me like they'd be more like a, a point three sure. or a class three, whereas things that have been actually adopted by our Senate would be more like two. Yeah, okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, going on with colloquy? Yeah, so well, how do you view what a colloquy process is? I said more like a practice practice time. Pr practice time? <laughs> I think a colloquy process is what do you believe? Here's what we believe. Let's see if they match up. Yeah, that's better than practice time. Yeah, ultimately, that's what's going on right now. We have uh, Philip Tony Bolin. He is going through a colloquy process right now. 
And I think as far as that process goes, um, they're hoping, he's from Aberdeen, South Dakota, and the hope is that as he goes through this process that he's already a member of the CLC, but the oh, okay. hope is once he goes through this process, he'll be able to receive a full-time call oh, okay. into the CLC. Was he formerly a minister in a different... Yes, I believe so. I don't want to say which denomination it is, not because it's bad, but just because I don't remember. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next thing that we talked about was in the prospectus, was what scripture teaches regarding admonition and termination of fellowship. So that was a shorter document on pages 15 and 16. That's one of two documents that the CLC General Pastoral Conference will be taking up this coming summer, next year, 2023. And it's just a short one. It's supposed to just give a, a clear statement of things that we reject about that. And it's supposed to help a different document that was written in the 90s that sometimes is looked at as not always clear, the thesis and antithesis regarding... Antithesis. Antithesis regarding admonition. So this is supposed to supplement or support that one or even replace that. So the, that's on page 15 and 16 of what we sent out with the prospectus. So that could be looked at a little bit more there. And then the second big document that the Board of Doctrine reported on was concerning the report from the CLC Board of Doctrine and the Joint Committee representatives on church fellowship and its termination. So there was a lot of discussion that came out of that. Did you have any questions on that first one? I kind of flew over No, that. I don't think so, but let's just define. So the Board of Doctrine is appointed by the CLC president. The Joint Committee is uh, three pastors who were also appointed by the president. So this was, including himself, President Mike Ike said, uh, Pastor uh, Paul Nolte and Pastor Bruce Nauman. Those three are the joint, when it says the joint committee, who is that? Well, that's those three guys. And then it's the Board of Doctrine, which you can look up who's on the Board of Doctrine uh, on our website, too. That's good clarification. Ultimately, what this document was supposed to do is part one was supposed to kind of help reunify our body, not just the pastors, but the pastors, teachers, lay people, all of them just kind of re-examine what that looks. Not that the joint statement didn't do that, but they wanted to do that in a, in a way that was satisfactory for our own myths. So that was what part one was all about. And part two was about what's what's left. What As far as the role of termination of fellowship goes with the Wells and L's, we're not talking about the other couple of things we might be concerned about with like women's role discussion and membership at fraternal organizations such as Thrive and whatever. Those are a couple of other things that we'd be concerned about. But Justin specifically with the termination of fellowship from false teaching bodies, what else is left for us to kind of realize that okay, we are in agreement here. And so in your prospectus, if you had that, that was specifically on page 29 through 31, and it basically lists three things, that all three church bodies must be clearly state their agreement on what Scripture teaches in Romans 16, 17, 18 concerning the termination of fellowship within false teachers, and that it would be necessary that all three synods really would reject any past official synodical statements on the subject which potentially disagree with that doctrine, Doctrine, which I like that point because it also helps us to be self-reflective. Is there anything that we've stated in the past that does not jive with what Scripture clearly teaches? We would want to correct that as well. And the third one, before we'd actually say we were united on this particular doctrine of termination of fellowship, would be that those would be those statements, official statements or uh, public statements, would be corrected in some way, shape, or form that would make sure that they are clearly corrected so that they can continue to provide confusion to those who'd be reading them. So those are the three main things that were also addressed in that document. 
and the, those passed as well. And the only other thing that came up is that there's more of a timeline on this now. So the, the, I mentioned that the, the CLC General Pastoral Conference could be looking at these two documents that we just mentioned that the Board of Doctrine Report had given, and that the pastors this next summer are going to be looking more intently at those things. But these three points will be going back to the Wells and L's sometime in the near future here, and we'll kind of hear a response to them. And at the 2024 convention, that's pretty much the end of the time element as far as hearing back from the Wells and L's on these things. So it could be very prayerful as far as them understanding not only our testimony about these things, but also what we're looking for as far as what we're hoping that they would reject, which, which makes sense in the sense of not having official conf conflicting statements on our, think of that on our own website if we had something that rejected something that we believe, believed and taught, wouldn't it make sense for us to keep that up there. So. Right, right. So I, and I, just to be clear, so the uh, those three points were brought to the convention floor, and the convention said you take those instructed, the president and uh, with the Board of Doctrine and the Joint Committee, so again, those two groups, uh, he instructed them, go take that those three points and bring them to the Wells and Ls and see if they'll accept them. And if they don't accept them, then we are... Saying that discussions should cease, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to just emphasize on that first part. So this this document that's supposed to clarify for ourselves what we believe about the termination of, of uh, uh, church fellowship. It's really an important thing, especially as it's coming from these two groups. So right, what originally happened back in 2015 is the joint statement was signed by the joint committee by those three men, and then it went back to the board of doctrine, and the board of doctrine said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't like this because X, Y, and Z. They had, you know, a couple of ambiguities, which is in the prospectus too. You can you can see those there. So it seemed like our joint committee and our board of doctrine were were disagreed on this, and that could have been a potential big problem in our midst in the CLC. So is there a, di a difference in doctrine in the CLC? And so what has happened is these two groups, the board of doctrine and the joint committee, got together and said, "Well, here's what we believe," and thankfully, God, thank God. They all ended up on the same page with this document that they came out with. And so we are agreed in doctrine. There's not a difference in doctrinal uh, opinion in the CLC. We are agreed on what uh, God teaches us regarding the termination of church fellowship with false teaching church bodies. So praise the Lord for that. I think that's that's an important point that needs to be made, that we are on the same page there. I think, yeah, I think the biggest challenge we had this convention was the disagreement over our approach. But when the you know, they're outside of our church body, so... Uh, we don't apply Romans 16, 17 in that aspect. So it's right. more of well, do, when do we stop talks? You know, when do, when do we stop witnessing in that sense? And so it's just, just good thoughts on both sides. It's just trying to make a clear decision on that. Yep. And, and just because we're, this is an important point too that came out in the document, just because we're disagreed about whether to cease talks or to continue talks doesn't mean we're in disagreement about the doctrine of the Termination of Church Fellowship. Right. We're not doctrinally disagreed because of that. There can be opinions on either side of the matter, whether to continue or not to continue, but that's not a doctrinal difference. That's simply an opinion difference, and, right. and that's fine. We can keep fellowshipping together, even if we have that difference of opinion. Well, thanks, Pastor. Anything else you want to highlight for us from your, your work there? You summed up hours and hours and hours of work in kind of just a few minutes here, but I appreciate your time on that, and I know this is very important to a lot of people's uh, uh, hearts and minds and prayer life as well. So, uh, well, appreciate yeah. your time. Uh, just a couple quick points. You know, I, I I thought the convention could have gone a lot more rough, but I thought overall it was really smooth and it was good. And you, anyone could watch it on the YouTube channel too if you want to look more into it. That Pastor Nam also sent out earlier. I think it's also a good reminder as far as our 
high schools, colleges, and so forth. You know, we have so many Wells and Ells churches, and you know, obviously Bethany here in town. I think it's just a good remind, reminder that even though it seems like, hey, we're super close in fellowship, we're not. And so we want to be careful with how we participate in those activities with them, to not give ourselves or them the wrong impression, but to do so just out of the love for the Lord and His truth, first and foremost, with obviously the prayer that in the future we someday soon can be united, Lord willing. Yep, we are called to be witnesses to to the faith that God has give to, given to us. And in the CLC, we, we're in a unique position to witness to these two groups that sadly have allowed false doctrine to enter their ranks. And uh, if we start to waver on that, uh, they're going to end up going, uh, they can end up going farther away from God's word. And so God help us to be the witnesses he's called us to be. All right. Uh, not sure yet what we're going to be doing next week. I'd like to do the ILC building committee, but I got to schedule some time with the delegates who uh, uh, were on that committee. So we'll see if we have time, uh, see when that, uh, which ones we're able to come up with by next week. But I uh, hope you can tune in next week for more convention recap. Uh, our hymn of the day is hymn 492 in the Lutheran hymnal. Lord of the living harvest that whitens o'er the plain, where angels soon shall gather their sheaves of golden grain. Accept these hands to labor, these hearts to trust and love, and deign with them to hasten thy kingdom from above. As laborers in thy vineyard, Lord, send them out to be, content to bear the burden of weary days for thee, to ask no other wages when thou shalt call them home, than to have shared the travail which makes thy kingdom come. Be with them, God the Father, be with them, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, most blessed three in one. Make them thy faithful servants, thee rightly to adore, and fill them with thy fullness, both now and evermore. Amen.